morning. Didn't the guys do great this morning up here? Great. I tell you, that song, no longer a slave to fear. You know, thank you, Jesus, for freedom in Christ. And, you know, how blessed are we that we can not fear death? Although it's difficult, but we can live in freedom. And, um, you know, I'm just blown away by Jesus. You know, it's all about Jesus, is it not? It's all about Jesus. And uh, that's what we're about. Everything should point towards Jesus. So, you know, last week I introduced a series called the David Series. And I talked about the kingdom. Um, and I talked about establishing kingdom. And I said that, you know, David did what he did. But then God promised that he would establish the kingdom. Can you remember? If you weren't here, God said, I will establish my kingdom. Okay? And it will be an everlasting kingdom. So David and all he does, when we're looking at Jet David today, it's wonderful and he's amazing. We can learn so much from him. But David always points to a greater king. David always points to somebody else who's coming, which is the king of the kings, which is Jesus Christ. So when we're talking today about David, David is a reflection or a prototype. Anybody know like prototypes? Any car freaks in here? You know, then the prototype comes out because it's the pre-model of the one that they're going to be, and they're trialing it and... You know, and they're looking at it. It's a prototype. David is a prototype of the king who's to come. Okay? But the king to come isn't a a temporary king, a king that will sin. He's a king who would be without sin and he would be everlasting. Because all other kings fall and all other kings fail at some point. As great as they are, we're all sinners. But David points towards Jesus Christ. So when we're talking about David, the king, we're actually pointing towards somebody else. David's life is pointing to somebody else. His life is not about him. He's pointing to somebody else. And he's reflecting what he can in the best of his ability through his relationship with God, somebody else. Somebody who's invisible that you can't see, but it reflects in and through him and establish what God wants to establish on earth. And that's what God wants to do today. But we don't look to David as much as we look to David and learn from him. We're looking to the king of kings. It's Jesus. He's our king. He's the one that we follow. He's the one who established the kingdom. And he says it's everlasting. How awesome is that? And I said last week that the kingdom, he offers. So when we come under authority, we come under him. We make him our king. We trust him. He sends out a decree in the kingdom to establish it, and it says it's everlasting. And I give you this, righteousness. Wow. I, I establish righteousness in this kingdom. I make you right by trusting in me. That's what he says. Through accepting him is forgiveness, is love. He makes you right. You don't make you right. He makes you right with God the Father. That's the gift of coming into the kingdom, righteousness from God. Woo! Anybody want that? I mean, let's be honest, you'd be a fool not to step into the kingdom, would you not? I'll just do it on my own then. Or do you, well, 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 stay on your own, or do you want to step into the righteousness of God that's offered through Christ Jesus? Okay, what else comes with that is peace. Peace of heart, peace of mind through believing in Jesus Christ. And he offers the gift of the Holy Spirit into our lives that brings us peace in our hearts and peace in our minds as we follow him. So righteousness, peace, And then the last thing that comes is joy in him. We need some joy in the church, do we not? We need some joy in our homes. Life is hard at times. We need some joy in the Holy Ghost. We need some joy in the morning. We need some joy in our jobs. We need some joy in our relationships. Come on. And that's what he offers in the kingdom. You can't earn it. 
You just receive it. Whoa, is that it? Yeah, just like go to the shop, credit card, as much as you want, just go in, cha-ching, I have it all, what's in the kingdom. Anybody want it? You don't earn it, you just receive it. You accept it. You put your faith in God. You put your faith, what God did through Jesus Christ on the cross. That your sin put him on the cross. It breaks your heart when you realize what you've done and put faith in Jesus that he died for you. But then he offers a transaction. Cha-ching. You bring your rags, your poverty, your brokenness, and I will exchange that on the cross and I will give you my acceptance and my love. I'll make you right with me. I'll give you my peace and I'll give you my joy. Cha-ching. That's a pretty good transaction. I'd go shopping there every day. And that's what we can do daily. But you know, that is how we enter into the kingdom of God. We enter in by putting our faith in Jesus. We believe in Jesus. We trust in Jesus, the message of Jesus. Jesus was the message, you know, made flesh, what God has always promised in the Old Testament. I believe there was a savior. He's come as Jesus. He's the Messiah. We put our faith in Jesus and we become born again. And it says you can't enter into the kingdom of God unless you are born again. Born of the word and born of the spirit. Are you with me? So if you're not, you're here this morning, you say, I don't know if I'm in this kingdom. Well, you can get in today. You can open your heart up today and say, okay, I'm going to put my faith in Jesus. I need to know that I'm made right with God. I want to accept his righteousness, his peace, and his joy today. And sometimes we get blocked and we, and we, and we miss out and we make mistakes. But God says, come on, I want to refresh you again. I want you to go again, restore you again, revive you again. I want to give you some new wine to drink from you with me this morning. So that's the kind of kingdom we can only enter in by being born again through faith in Jesus Christ. That is, he is the way, the truth, and the light. There is no other way in that is only Jesus. Many other religions reflect and point to glimpses of God, so a God of light, but they don't point to the one who is the way. He is the only way, Jesus Christ. And I'm not knocking other religions. Well, I believe Jesus is the only way. And if you look at them, they all point towards him, but they, they fail to believe in him as the savior of the world, as God himself. We are the only religion that says that God came to earth, that God appeared to us. No other religion says that. He's all invisible, but God appeared to us and we testify of who he is. So we enter into the kingdom by believing. Are you with me? But it doesn't stop there. You become a baby. You become born of God. And that's how we enter into the kingdom, by believing in Jesus Christ. But then there's more to do in the kingdom. It doesn't just stop there. So God says, I will establish my kingdom. You believe in me, but then you're going to be a part of my kingdom, and we're going to cultivate a kingdom. We're going to choose to cultivate the kingdom of God. In other words, we're going to grow it, and he's going to use you in the kingdom to grow it. So God establishes the kingdom, but then he cultivates the kingdom and he uses me and you as vessels to cultivate this kingdom. So today we're going to look at cultivating the kingdom. Is that okay? So I don't know about you, but when you start a new job, or maybe you've not started a new job, or maybe you start playing for, I don't know, a team, or you go to a new school, or you know, or you get a, you move jobs. And when you go somewhere new, 
the person who's in charge or the person who's running the team or, or the new friend that you make, they have their idea of what friendship should be like or that the job that you work in, they have a way in which that job is going to work. They have a plan, they have a purpose, and they decide how that office or that uh, community or those friends that you're in is going to work. And that's a little bit like God. God says, I'm the king, and I want to establish my kingdom. And there are ways in which we can live in the kingdom. And it's our job to work out what they are, what they are and then to cultivate them in our lives. Are you with me this morning? Well, we don't have to. God doesn't force us. He gives us the freedom to choose. And he demonstrated it by dying on the cross and leading the way for us to enter into this kingdom. So we've got to cultivate this kingdom. Let's read Genesis. Go back to the beginning. Genesis 2, verses 4 to 6. It says, this is the account of the heavens and the earth when they were created. When the Lord God made the earth and the heavens, no... Sorry, now no shrub had yet appeared on the earth and no plant had yet sprung up. For the Lord had not sent rain on the earth and there was no one to work the ground. You see, in the beginning, man was given a responsibility. God created this wonderful earth with loads of plants, good fruit to eat from. But it says here, he'd yet to put man in the ground to work it. One version says he'd yet to put man in the ground to cultivate it. You see, we have a responsibility to cultivate. We are cultivators. We want to do something. We want to make something. That's how God has made us. And we're all called to cultivate something. You know, David was a cultivator, I believe. We don't hear the word cultivate. We hear another word, tend to. You know, and we've all been given responsibility to Tend to something. So let's read what it says about David. Can you turn to 1 Samuel 16, 8 to 13? Sorry, I'm messing you around a bit here. Thank you. So it says about David. And Jesse, so what's happened here is Saul, the previous king, has disobeyed God. And God says, I'm done with him. Now I'm going to choose another one. So David has got many brothers, and his brothers all line up to be chosen. And the, the prophet Samuel turns up to choose them, but God directs him not to anoint and choose one of them to be king, but he says there's somebody else to be chosen. And then it says this, Then Jesse called Abinadab and had him pass in front of Samuel. But Samuel said, The Lord has not chosen this one either. Jesse then had Shaman pass by, but Samuel said, Nor has the Lord chosen this one. Jesse had seven of his sons pass before Samuel, but Samuel said to him, the Lord has not chosen these. So he asked Jesse, are these all the sons you have? There is still the youngest, Jesse answered. He is tending the sheep. He is tending the sheep. David was a cultivator. He was a tender he was tending to, he was caring for, he was taking responsibility for what he'd been given. We've all been given something. You've been given a body to tend to. 
You've been given a heart. You've been given a mind. You've been given maybe a husband or a wife. You've been given a friend. You've been given a family. You've been given responsibility in your work to serve people and to tend to that. We've all been given responsibility to tend to something. Would you agree? You may say, well, I haven't got anything. You've been given something to tend to it, to cultivate it. You might like gardening. You might go out the back and cultivate your plants. I'm not a gardener, I have to admit, right? You give me plants, I'll kill them in a week. They put a plant in my office, it's shriveled in a week. I think, oh, I have to water it. I just don't forget, I water myself. <laughs> it's hard enough looking after myself, let alone a plant in a pot. But you know, we've all been given something to tend to. And for me, these are principles that we need to understand. David cultivated the kingdom, but David understood there were principles that he had to put in place. And as he put these principles in place, it cultivated the kingdom of God. So we have a responsibility entering into God's kingdom. What are these principles? God has given us principles on how to live in this new job, in this new area of life. And you know, if you're anything like me, I grew grew up not in church, then I came to church I didn't really give a rip about anybody. I didn't care about anybody apart from myself. And I still struggle with that at times. But, you know, I didn't care about anybody. Then I realized when I come into the kingdom of God that something changed in my heart. And I actually have to care about people now. Oh, right. I don't just use people. No, I actually have to care for people like Jesus cared for me. Are you hearing? So there's principles now on how we operate in the kingdom of God. And I believe David cultivated kingdom principles. You say, what are they? How do we function? Here's one. Simple. Respect one another. Respect one another. Respect the person next to you. Respect what they bring to the room. Respect what they bring into the kingdom. Respect how they function differently than you. We have to respect one another. David respected his father. It says in 1 Samuel 17, verse 15, when he's going, it says he's going backwards and forwards and Goliath's there and intimidating him and his brothers are off to war and he turns up with a package to bring stuff and he has to go backwards and forwards each day. And he says he goes backwards and forwards because he's tending to his father's sheep. He respects his father. He respects the responsibility he's been given and he honors his father. And that's value that we need in the kingdom of God. That we have to respect one another, appreciate one another, honor one another. And you say, well, that's what we do. We don't always, let's be honest. We, we get it wrong. Another attitude that we can have in the kingdom of God is submission. Being under the mission. David learned this early on. He was given a flock of sheep to look after. And you think, it's just a flock of sheep. No, 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 it's not. It's responsibility. You say, well, I'm, I'm just this, or I'm just doing this at home, or I'm, you know, I'm just a housewife, or I'm, you know, you've been given responsibility in life to cultivate your heart and the principles of God where you're at, and you've been given a mission. Don't minimize that mission. God has placed you where you're at to cultivate kingdom. You say, well, I'm just at home. 
One of the loveliest things I like, she'll, 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 no, I'm, I'm, I'm mess up here, right? One of the things that I enjoy doing, and I know what's going to come, I'm going I'm to shoot myself in the foot, right? What I really enjoy doing is ironing. I've done it. That was a double barrel shotgun. That one, I'm done on that one, right? I don't do it very often, but when I do it, right, I enjoy it. So much enjoyment. Whoa. She leaked out yourself. But for some reason, she, she leaves my shirts. She does all the other things. You can do your shirts then. They're the hardest things to do. Apart from a pleated skirt. They are evil. They need to be put in the pit of hell. Pleated skirts. Who invented them? I rebuke the person in the name of Jesus. Pleated skirts. <sighs> I don't wear them very often, Wayne. That's why, because I don't iron them. <laughs> oh, dear. I shoot myself in both feet now. But you know, we minimize things. There's so much enjoyment that we can find in the small things. But we think we've got to have the big thing. We've got to have the entertaining thing. And it's like, no, God's given us these things. These small things that we can enjoy. A friend we've been given, a person in our life, or a car we've been blessed. Things that we can enjoy. And we minimize them. Or we're on to the next thing instead of enjoying what we've been given. David was given sheep. Bleat, bleat, bleat all day long. Stinking sheep. But he tended to them. He cultivated them sheep. He made sure they were looked after. Wow, my father, I've got to look after the sheep. I've got one eye on the sheep, but I've got this responsibility, but I'm not taking my eye off the sheep. I'm going to go backwards and forwards because I'm looking after my sheep. Look, we've got to look after one another. We've got to have our eyes on people, on one another, to care for one another, to cultivate that in the church. Otherwise, what are we about? Just turning up. No, 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 we've got to have relationships. That's why you've got to turn up with your small group. Because I'm coming. I'm coming. Coming to the sheep. How are you doing, sheep? Don't call them sheep. Okay? How are you doing? I'll be there. I'm coming. I've got one eye on my job and the kids, but I've got one eye on the flock. See what I'm saying? All we do is we get lost in our world. Where am I? What's going on? And then we think, why am I stressed out? Because we've not put the number one first, Jesus and his body. Are you hearing? But if we're going to cultivate the kingdom, we've got to keep an eye on the kingdom. We've got to be in the world and cultivate our job and where we're at and take it there. We'll look at that next week. But we've got to keep an eye on the church as well. And we've got to cultivate our relationships and be there. Otherwise, it just becomes about us. And that's why you can't separate the two. You can never se- separate it, Jesus and his body. As soon as you separate it, you just, you, you're not a part of Jesus and his body. You're just doing your own walk. Jesus says, I lay my life down for. And Jesus is looking for people to say, I lay my life down for. We're following Jesus. He's our king. Jesus laid his life down. He gave his, he took responsibility for. And you might not be, you know, you might not have a responsibility like me, but you have some responsibility to care for people, to take on. You know, if you're a youth worker, you've got that responsibility. If you're in kids, you've got that responsibility. You know, in the church, if you've got a small group, you've got that responsibility. God's given you that to care for people and cultivate. So believe in what you're doing. David cultivated kingdom principles, respect, submission, humility, and loyalty. There's no more more loyal than Jesus Christ. 
I mean, loyalty to death. Even knowing he would die, he was loyal to the Father. His life pointed to the Father. All about the Father. Our lives should point to Jesus. It's all about Jesus. It's all about bringing glory to him and to the Father. Loyalty to the right things. You know, 1 Samuel 26, verses 8 to 11, is a situation where David has the opportunity to kill Saul. Saul is jealous of him. Saul is chasing him. Saul is throwing spears at him. Saul wants this lad dead. He is insecure and feeling threatened. We haven't got time to go into all that. We could talk about that, but we haven't got time. But, you know, he's feeling insecure and threatened. And David has an opportunity to kill him. And he says, I won't strike him twice. Sorry, today God has delivered This is one of of his friends. Today God has delivered your enemy into your hands. Now let me pin him down to the ground with one thrust of the spear. I won't strike him twice. But David said to Abishai, funny name, don't destroy him. Who can lay a hand on the Lord's anointed and be guiltless? This is David who has opportunity to wipe out Saul. He's trying to kill him. He's enemy. And he says, no, I am following somebody else. God is cultivating a different attitude in my life. I'm not going to respond with evil to evil, but I'm going to respond to evil with good. And that's what we're called to do. We're called to cultivate that when people hurt us or say things, not for yourself, but you're here to do good, not evil. And that's what David was learning. David was learning it before he was put into position of responsibility. He had to learn these difficult lessons. He had to learn to be loyal to God and God's decree and God's word. So that when he took responsibility, he was ready. His heart was not hurt, but he was well. And he could do what was right in the kingdom of God. You know, don't minimize those opportunities. Don't minimize them and think, oh, it's just a normal. No, no. When people mistreat you, do what's right. Forgive them. That's why the Lord's prayer we're doing so important on a daily basis. Forgive those who trespass against you. Wow, what are you doing? Cultivating a right heart and cultivating kingdom in your life. Not just for you, but because there's a king you're pointing to. That's what it's about. He's the king, this is my king. He forgives me, I'm made right. He was aware of the decrees and he knew he couldn't kill Saul. It wasn't right for him to do that. He had respect and honor and loyalty to God, but also to those in authority. So David cultivated kingdom principles. Are you with me? You know, how do we do that? We read the Bible, we read what Jesus says, and we put his teachings into place in our daily. It's as simple as that. The Lord's Prayer is a great tool to do that. David cultivated kingdom principles. The next thing David did, and this is... I'm excited about this. Are you ready? Do you want to hear what David did? David cultivated his faith in God daily. You know, when he's looking after sheep, that's his faith in God. When he's caring for them sheep, it's his heart and it's his faith in God. The responsibility God's given him, he's doing what's right and caring for them. He's tending to them. But then it says this, 1 Samuel 17 verse 35 David comes up against 
he sees Goliath. He sees that the army of God, who should have been living, should have had righteousness, peace, and joy, were not there because they were being intimidated by the enemy. And David, because he'd cultivated on a daily basis, he'd cultivated relationship with God, he, he had an intimate relationship with God. When he walks into the arena and sees Goliath, he thinks, this isn't right. Something's not right here today. The people of God, my God, the God that I know, are intimidated by this bully. Something's not right. And then he goes to Saul to ask, I love his, uh, by the way, I love his submission again. He didn't just run at Goliath and take him out like most of us would do. Come on, we can do it. He submits to the authority of Saul, again, who tried to kill him. Let, let's see what it says. It says, but David said to Saul, your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. There you go again. That's what he's about. It's all about keeping the sheep. That's how he's known, the boy who keeps sheep. And then God changes it. When a lion or a bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock, I went after it. I'd run a mile. Anybody else? I'd run a mile. We went to uh, Uganda a few years back, and they took us to see some rhinoceroses. Okay? And the instruction was, when we health and safety in Uganda, not quite the same as the UK. There's a piece of paper on the tree, and it said, if the animal runs towards you, run, find the biggest tree, and climb it. That's what it said. So I'm walking towards this rhinoceros, right? And I'm thinking, where is it? Where is it? Where is it? I'm looking for trees, 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 trees. That's all I'm focused on. I could have walked over it and not seen it. Trees, trees. I'm looking for a tree. You know, the thing got up. We saw it. It was about 30 meters away. It got up off the floor and grunted. I was gone. You know? A lot of the females, no, a lot of the females were just like chilled. I was a chicken. I was gone, baby. I'm finding the biggest tree and I'm up it. And if people are there in front of me, I'm stepping on them and getting up it. Just kidding. But you know, he says, when a lion or a bear came around and sheep and a flock, he says, I went after it. I struck it and rescued the sheep from its mouth. When it turned on me, I seized it by its hair, struck it and killed it. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. How amazing is that? He killed lions and bears. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them because he has defied the armies of the living God. I mean, come on, you don't want to mess with the living God. You don't want to mess with him. And then he says this. No, oh, no, no, go back, go back. The Lord, here we go, he's built his faith when he was looking after sheep. It didn't happen on the stage, it didn't happen on the big occasion. It happened when he was looking after the sheep. Are you ready? The Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand of this Philistine. Saul said to David, go and the Lord be with you. You see, he cultivated faith on a daily basis. When the, when the enemy came to rob him, he decided, you're not robbing me of my sheep. I'm like a good shepherd. I'll lay my life down for these sheep. I will run after them and I will strike them and I will defeat them. I don't know about you, but I'm scared of rhinoceroses. I'd be scared of a lion. I'd be intimidated by a lion and a bear. But David ran after them and killed them. You know, there are some things that we've got to get rid of in our lives. There are some things that need to be defeated in our lives. Laziness needs to be defeated 
You need to run after life and say, I'm not being lazy anymore. There's no laziness in the kingdom of God. There's no laziness in the kingdom of God. It's got to be a working. There's got to be a cultivating. There's got to be for that life to come. I've got to do it. And you've got to grab it by the hair and hit it over the head and say, I'm going to put in the principles of God and God will be faithful to me as I am faithful to him. And I'm going to cultivate faith in my life. David cultivated faith. He was given sheep. I'm sorry it's about sheep this morning. He was given sheep and he looked after them. What has God given you to look after? What has God given you to tend to? to cultivate, to work hard at on a daily basis. Yes, you may have kids, jobs, but more importantly, you have you. The character that's in you, the attitude that's inside of you that we need to cultivate and work at. And this is what I've learned. It pleases God when we put our faith in him. It pleases God when God works in and through us. That's what he likes. And I'll tell you why he likes it. Because in our weakness, there's some things that we can't defeat. But when we trust God, God gives us the power to defeat them. And David knew he couldn't defeat a bear. He knew he couldn't defeat a lion. But when he put his faith in God, he received power in order to do it. So who does it point to? It points to God. So when we're being used by God on a daily basis, it's not about us. But when we step out in faith and we operate in our faithfulness on a day, it points towards God. And very often we think nobody's watching. Nobody's watching when I get up in the morning. Nobody's watching when I watch my tongue. Nobody's watching when I check out my attitude. Nobody's watching. But God says, I'm watching and I'm cultivating and I'm working on and you're working with me and we're cultivating together a right attitude, a kingdom attitude in and through you. David did it on a daily basis looking after sheep. He learned to fight the bear and he learned to fight the lion. And then he stands up at his opportunity and he's ready. He's ready to take on Goliath. Everybody else has not cultivated a kingdom attitude. They're all being intimidated, put down by the enemy, said they're no good. And they're they're retreating because they don't know who they are. They don't know who God is. They've lost contact with him because they've disobeyed. And David turns up, who's been quietly cultivating the sheep. And he walks into the arena, and things don't make sense. This doesn't make sense. Do they not know the living God? Do they not know the living God, the almighty God, the God who parted the Red Sea? Do they not know him? Do they not know his power? Do they deny him? And it doesn't make sense, because he's quietly cultivated in his heart and his attitude something different over here. So he walks into that arena and he realizes this is who God is. Today, God will destroy this uncircumcised Philistine. Today, we will have victory. What situation are you looking at? What are you tending to on a daily basis? But what are you looking at that's intimidating? Get your eyes on Jesus. Get your eyes on your king. Get your eyes on his righteousness. Get your eyes on his peace. Get your eyes on his joy. He died for you. Cultivate that on a daily basis so when you walk, you're not intimidated by the enemy anymore. But you're cultivating life on a daily basis. So that when you walk into the place, everyone's like, what's that? Something different in this room. There's not sadness, but there's joy. They've just lost somebody in their family, yet they have a peace and a joy. How does that work? 
doesn't make sense in my head. Am I making sense? So we've got to cultivate the kingdom. Cultivate kingdom principles and cultivate faith in God. Luke 13. You say, well, what do I do? Luke 13, verses 6 to 9. This is Jesus speaking. Oh, he's here now. Jesus speaking. So, for those listening online, it's somebody on the phone. We think it's Jesus, but we're not sure. We need a gift of discernment and a word of knowledge. to bring. But here's, here's the deal. Just one more thing before I move on, right? This is what I wanted to say and I've forgotten, right? David's greatest weapon was not his sling or his stones or his pleated skirts, right? David's greatest weapon was his faith in God. That's it. And God will use what you've got, but his greatest weapon was his faith in God. Your greatest weapon that you have is your faith in God. And the enemy wants to rob you of your faith in God. He wants to intimidate you. He wants to put doubt in your mind about who almighty God is. Is that really God? Is that what God says? Is God really good? And God says, yeah, I am. Look at the cross. Look at what I did for you. Allow it to be in your mind on a daily basis. When you doubt yourself, you doubt your your own faithfulness, remember God's faithfulness. Faithfulness to the end. It is your greatest weapon that you have is your faith in God. Now, if you've not started that, you can put your faith in Jesus today and enter into the kingdom. It's not an easy kingdom to live in because there is a battle in that kingdom. I'll be honest with you but it's a better kingdom to live in because it's an eternal kingdom. It's an everlasting kingdom. The kingdom we live in in this world is temporary. It'll offer riches, but it will fade. The kingdom we enter into offers riches that don't fade, but are everlasting. That's the kingdom we're in, but it is not easy. You can see the kingdom, but to enter into it takes work. It takes perseverance. It takes character. It takes commitment. It takes loyalty. It takes love one another. Your greatest weapon that you have is your faith in God. It is the greatest weapon that you have is your faith in God. Character comes out of that, but it's your faith in God. You enter in by faith, you walk by faith, you love by faith. It is your faith in God. Luke 13, 6 to 9 says this. This is Jesus speaking, giving an illustration of cultivating. Now he's talking about the people of Israel who've disobeyed God. They should have been a light to the nation. They should have stood out so people can come to them with a hope and a a direction. They should have pointed towards who God is, okay? But they weren't doing that. So Jesus speaks to some of me, says this. Then he told this parable. A man had a fig tree growing in his vineyard. Anybody got a vineyard? It's not the average thing you have, is it? A vineyard. You might have friends or somebody, or you see it on the telly. You go, and they've got a big vineyard. I haven't got a vineyard. I've got a backyard, right? But I haven't got a vineyard. There doesn't much grow in my backyard. The odd weed. A man had a fig tree growing in his vineyard, and he went to look for fruit on it, but did not find any. So he said to the man who took care of the vineyard, for three years now, I've been coming to look for fruit on the fig tree, and I haven't found any. Cut it down. Why should it use up the soil? Sir, the man replied, leave it alone for one more year and I'll dig around it and fertilize it. If it bears fruit next year, fine. If not, then cut it down. Pretty brutal, isn't it? It's a parable that Jesus gives 
And it's pointing at the Israelites because, or the Jews, because they've not been a light to the nations. And he's coming to say, look, there's a time coming, you know, I'm coming in to cut off and I'm going to basically give an option to some other people. But you have got a time period where you can accept and change and come back into. That's what he's saying. Are you with me? But I read this and I thought, wow, cultivating. God wants to cultivate. Jesus wants to cultivate. And he gives a cultivation example. And as I read it, I thought, a vineyard. It's not a wild thing. It's not like a wild area that things are growing. It's been specifically designed. It's got an area. The soil in the vineyard would have been cultivated and made good for when the seed is planted. Are you with me? It's designed with intention. It's good soil, okay? So here's the deal. Each one of you have been given a vineyard. You've been given something of goodness to cultivate, to find, to discover, to nurture, and to use. Gift, talent, something of good deeds that we are called to do in the kingdom of God. Are you with me? And you have got to discover that. You've got to say, what is it in me? God, what's the will for me? What have you put in me? What's my vineyard? What do you want me to do? Well, what do you enjoy doing? What are you good at? And use that and produce fruit with it. Are you with me? And that's, a, that's what's expected in the kingdom. God gives us righteousness, peace, and joy, but there's an expectation of fruitfulness that comes with the kingdom. Just arm saved. No, that's not it. We're here to produce fruits. That's why we're here. Okay? But then the other thing I learned when he, did, when, he, when he looked at this, and I thought, you know what? It says that he fertilized it. Just give me a little bit more time to fertilize it. Now, I don't, I don't know in those days what they'd use for fertilizer, but I'd probably say in those days it was probably a bit of dung. I've got a farmer. How are you looking? Yeah? I'm, I'm okay. I've passed the test. Yeah? It's dung. How many of us get dung thrown on us? Come on. David says, turns up for a job to, uh, 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 to be employed as the king. He turns up before his brothers. He gets chosen. He signs up for the job. What's happening? Saul's chasing after him, trying to kill him. That's a great job, isn't it? God, I thought in your kingdom everything would be all right. Why am I getting mistreated? Why am I getting abused? Because God's cultivating him. He's allowing a bit of dung on him and fertilizer to nurture the treasure that's within and draw out the kingdom of God. And we see dung as a bad thing. It smells, this situation is horrendous. God says, well, if you keep following me, if you keep being faithful to me, I'll use it all for good and I'll grow you greater than you what you were before because I'm cultivating my kingdom in and through you. So when you get dung put on you, rejoice. And allow it to fertilize you. You stink. I don't care. Jesus says I'm made right. Are you with me? Now we have a responsibility to sort our attitude out, our willingness to be grown. That's our responsibility. But when dung comes on you, rejoice. Are you with me? People see it as a negative. You can use it for good. You can bless the evil with good like David did. And it's not easy, but it's a different way of living. What Jesus calls us to do. So I'm nearly done. Good bit of dung thrown on you doesn't hurt you, does it? <laughs> so, last thing, Tim, if you want to come up, I'm going to finish. So, cultivating the kingdom, David cultivated kingdom principles. David cultivated his faith in God daily. And I want to just finish with this. You know, when two things really, 
when you go for a new job, if maybe you've not gone for a job yet, but when you go for a job, what will happen is, usually if you've had a previous job, you have to send for a reference. I'm, I'm doing two this week. Two people have asked me for a reference this week. So I will give them a reference depending on their character and various things if they've served you. Are you with me? Now, when we go into the kingdom of God, you know, well, what's our reference? David, when he became king, he didn't have any reference apart from him looking after sheep. His reference became God. So God has chosen him. His faith was in God. So when we go from this place, you may have a history, you may have a past that isn't great, but here's what happens when we come into the kingdom. God says, I'll give you a reference. Wow. I'll employ you. I'll believe in you. I'll employ you in my kingdom. I know the past, but I'm giving you a new reference. I'm giving you a new reference, a new heart, a new life, a hope. I am your reference point. Draw a line, move on, and allow me to be your reference now. Connect to me and what I say about you. Connect to what my promises say. Connect to my love and my spirit on a daily basis. I am your reference point. Now, I'm not saying you don't do well in your job and you get references, but you hear my heart. He becomes your reference. What a best, I mean, what a, what a, people can ask me, what a great reference. Imagine turning up for your next job, going in and saying, have you got a reference? Yeah, it's God. Now, you probably look a bit stupid. Don't try it, right? But if you know in your heart that God has chosen you, he's picked you out for a purpose. He's picked you out with the vineyard and says, cultivate. I know there's dung, but we'll use it for good and we'll fertilize you and we'll grow you. I'm your reference. I'm the gardener. I'm the cultivator. Come to me and let's see what we can do. But you know, sometimes you start a new job. Anybody ever work for McDonald's? No. Anybody work for Pizza Hut? No. Anybody? Oh, I'm struggling now this morning. McDonald's. Wimpy. Faith in the kingdom of God. Wimpy. It's a great name, isn't it? But here's the deal, right? When you go and start for a new job, you have to learn the rules and the way. So if you go McDonald's, they give you a burger, they show you how to put it in and flip it and how to put it. And you know, wherever you go in the world, you go McDonald's, it tastes the same. That's how kids survive abroad. They did in the 90s. Find the McDonald's! Find chips, McDonald's! That's what we did when I was 18. Couldn't survive on foreign food. You found McDonald's because you knew what it was taste like and knew what you'd get, wouldn't you? You know, we come into the kingdom of God, there's a new brand. There's a new name. There's a new culture. You say, well, what's the brand? What does it taste like when we come in? So that when everybody goes into the church, they should show, that's the church. That's the church. I know it. I've seen it. I recognize it. What's the brand? The brand is Jesus. He's the brand. Jesus is the way. Jesus is the life. So when you go this week, say, what's your brand? What do you taste of? What do you smell of? What do you give out? It's Jesus. He's the brand. He's the boss. He's the CEO. He's the one who gives the essence, the flavor, the peace, the joy, the righteousness. He's the brand. I don't know about you, but I want to work for someone like Jesus. 
I want to cultivate. I want to flip burgers for Jesus. I want to give out goodness for Jesus. I want to enjoy joy for Jesus because Jesus is my brand. And that's your choice. But you can say, I'm going to be committed to this brand. I'm going to be committed to the kingdom of God. I'm going to be committed to cultivating even when dung is on me. I'm going to be committed to my king. Just like he was committed to me. When he took the pain and the punishment that he did not deserve, but he did it for you. He did it for you. He did it for the world. He did it for the broken. He did it for the lost. He didn't do it for himself. He didn't need it. But he trusted in the Father and he took on a new way. And he offers a new way and he offers a hope to the world. An everlasting righteousness, peace and joy. So I want to encourage you on a daily basis. You're serving your king. You're cultivating a kingdom. Put on the brand on a daily basis and enjoy Jesus and enjoy cultivating the kingdom. And I'm done. I'm sorry I've gone on a little bit long. But I want to encourage you this week. You pick up that brand. You read what it says. How do we function in this business? How does the kingdom of God operate? I want to know. I want to learn. And I want to outwork God's kingdom in my life. It all comes back to Jesus. It points to the Father. He establishes it through Jesus. And it comes back to Jesus, the word of God. He's the one that we follow.